My dad died. I miss my friends because of... I don't know how to tell my friends that. I want to help my friends. I don't know how. The pandemic has left me feeling very lonely. How can I best support students in my classroom? The morning meeting is meant to be a place to let you know that you are not alone. We can get through this together. So join us. Listen, learn, share your stories. This is the morning meeting. Good morning, everyone. My name is Mandy Zucker, and I'm the host of the Morning Meeting Podcast. We have a really interesting guest today. Her name is Rebecca Saltzman. She was inspired by the Zero Waste Movement in 2012, and she ended up quitting her job as a graphic designer, uh, moving to Israel, and starting a personal organizing company. And today, she helps people organize and automate and streamline their homes and businesses. What that has to do with grief, you may be wondering. Well, she is currently writing a book in memory of her mom called Organized Jewish Life. And we're going to talk today about how her mom's death helped her realize about all of the things that you have to organize to deal with all the Jewish uh, rituals and laws after someone dies really interesting for Jewish people as well as people who are not Jewish. So I hope you'll listen and learn and join us today. So Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on the Morning Meeting Podcast. We're so happy to have you. Thanks so much for having me, Mandy. I'm so happy to be here. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about you and some of the work that you're working on? So I'm a personal organization expert and... It's kind that of weird. Sound like I... a reason to have you on a podcast <laughs> about death <laughs> and dying. <laughs> yeah, it kind of uh, it kind it's kind of weird how I got to be a personal organization expert, but um, because I am an expert in organization, when my mom died and I didn't know what to do, I felt like, gosh, I can't be the only one who doesn't know what to do, and. And in Jewish law, we have a lot of complex rules about what you're supposed to do and not do. And, you know, I knew a lot of them in passing, but Mm -hmm. I didn't, I'd never been a mourner before and I didn't exactly know what to do for myself. Like I, when you're doing it for somebody else, it's like super easy. But for myself, I didn't know what to do. And I said to my husband, like that day, I wish the day I found out my mom died and I said, I wish I had a, a list that I could just give to you and that you would take care of everything. And he's like, I wish I had that too. <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. I could write a book about organizing in general for all the Jewish holidays and all the Jewish life cycle events. And there are a lot of them. And that that would be like a more complete idea. And I thought about it and I'm like, it's a great way to honor my mom because my mom was an amazing hostess and she never got stressed out before the Jewish holidays. Everything she did, she did with happiness and grace. And it, I never felt like it was a stressful situation before a Jewish holiday. I just decided that I was like, I needed something to honor my mom to make me feel like this time was productive and not sit around feeling sorry for myself because I don't want to sit around and feel sorry for myself. I know that that's fine for a lot of people, but I wanted something good to come out of something that was bad. 
And I figured like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have a lot of free time on my hands right now because, you know, we're stuck in the house because there's this pandemic, right? And I'm not watching TV and we can't anyways go to the movies or a concert or anything like that. So like, what else am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm going to have all this free time. And I can't see any of my clients really because I can't go to anybody's house and help them declutter and organize. So even though I have some online clients, like it doesn't take up the same amount of time as going to somebody's house. So I'm like, gosh, I have so much free time. So this just felt like a really great constructive way to honor my mom and do something positive for all the other people that I know are struggling with what to do when someone dies. But more than that, what to do in in the good times. Like people also don't know how to do that. I talk about going from birth basically till death. And even within birth, I found that there's still death. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes babies die and it's sad and unfortunate. And there are not always a lot of coping mechanisms for parents who lose a child, especially a young child. And I wanted to include that. So I really tried my very, very hardest to think about the whole Jewish life cycle in a way, or the whole life cycle really, in a way where it's it's as encompassing as possible. And Mm -hmm. obviously I can't write about every single possible conceivable scenario, but for me, I feel like I covered a lot and I really felt like it was an important contribution to to the world and an amazing way to honor my mom. Sounds amazing. I do have a couple questions. Um, okay. <laughs> I said a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I have a few questions as, you know, as a Jewish person, I think I know some things, but I certainly don't know all of them. And obviously I have a lot of listeners that are not Jewish. So my first thing I'm just thinking about, because it's not just in Jewish life, but everywhere, um, babies, um, stillborn, miscarriage, terminated pregnancies, those are probably some of the most uh, taboo uh, deaths um, out there. And we really don't talk about them. And I'm just wondering, are there specific things in Jewish tradition, morning rituals um, that we're supposed to do, ways that we can support each other? Because I feel like people don't even tell you that they had a miscarriage or that they terminated a pregnancy. Um, So if they're not telling you, what are you supposed to do to be supportive? It's it's a big problem. Uh, (laughs) And that's why I wanted to write about it because, (laughs) uh, you know, Okay, so I'm Orthodox, and I don't really love that label, but if if you're trying to classify me, that's how I guess you would really <laughs> classify me, but okay. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot, I have seven books in my personal library, and I'm, I'm not a minimalist, but I don't have a lot of stuff, okay? I have seven books in my personal library about the laws of like Jewish family life and and marriage. And out of those seven books, three talk about miscarriage. And none of them talk about termination and none of them talk about stillbirth. And within those three books, it's a total of three pages. And I think that is so unfortunate because this is something 
Okay, so miscarriage happens to one in four women. Not specific to Jewish women, just in America, the average uh, chance that you'll have a miscarriage is one in four. That's a high number. That's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of ladies. Okay. And I interviewed a lot of people for this book. I did around 50 or 60 hours of interviews and I'm shocked that everybody almost without question, whether they had a miscarriage or they had a stillbirth or they had a non-optional termination, like their life was at risk. If they wouldn't have had a termination, it wouldn't, it would have meant that they died. Mm -hmm. Um, All those women said they were so ashamed and Mm -hmm. they didn't tell anybody. And they were so sad. Only one woman said to me that she worked up the courage to ask if anybody had had a miscarriage in her local like community WhatsApp group. And she was so glad that she did. And she was really glad that some women came forward and said, yes. And she felt less alone. And Mm -hmm. I think that because this is such a common thing, we really need to speak about it. It's, it's, I don't know how it became something that we don't talk about, but we just don't. And it's, It's not right. And I wanted to bring it to the forefront. I think part of the reason why people don't tell that they're pregnant and then therefore don't tell that they have a miscarriage is because they don't say that they're pregnant because there's mm-hmm. this superstition around announcing too early that you're pregnant. Yeah. And so people, and most miscarriages are, are like earlier stages or mid stages of a pregnancy, They're not usually late stage miscarriages. So um, I don't have any statistics on that at the top of my head, but from, from all the people I interviewed, most of them were earlier on. And so they're at this point where they haven't told anybody and part of the reason why they feel so alone is because they haven't told anybody and they don't want it to just come out of the blue. Like, Oh, I had a miscarriage. I'm so sad. Right. Like, <laughs> cause they think that that's weird, but yeah. it's not. And it's okay to be sad and it's okay to feel not good. And it's okay to seek help. Mm-hmm. And if we can be honest, we don't have to tell the whole world. Like we don't have to get on Instagram and announce it. But if we can just tell our inner circle, we can help ourselves and maybe we can even help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like, it's so important. Like, why would you want to hinder somebody else's help? Like, you, you go through every situation in your life because either you have something to learn from it or you can help somebody else through it. And... That doesn't mean that it's not a sucky situation because it totally is. And I'm not minimizing it anyway, but you can take back your power. You don't, you don't need that to, to be your end also. For sure. So what are some of the uh, traditions, laws in Judaism when someone dies? How do you, you know, go okay. through that process? So I just want to preface and say I'm not a rabbi. So yes. I'm just telling everybody what I, I know and what I've learned. Don't even play one on TV. I don't even play <laughs> one on TV. Um, so I'm just going to preface that with that. So I, I'm not acting as like a Jewish uh, 
Authority. Law scholar, yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's the classic things that I feel like most people know, which is we cover our mirrors. Um, so we, I'm going to say I know that, but probably most people don't. If you're not Jewish, you don't know that. If you're not Jewish, you don't. But if right. you are Jewish, that's that I feel like is something I think yeah. most people know. Because for some reason, that thing got handed down, like the covering the mirrors. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and why do not, people cover their mirrors? You're not supposed to look at yourself. You're not supposed to worry about the physical part of you. You're supposed to shower only for cleanliness and try to avoid, you know, showering or cleaning your clothes at all. And you're supposed to do like the bare minimum. So like no makeup and you're not supposed to cut your nails or get a haircut or for men, you're not supposed to shave. Uh, And so, you know, I, I didn't actually ask if, you know, women have that problem because, you know, sometimes got a little on the upper lip or something. <laughs> um, I have no I idea see. what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, so, but, so no tweezing, no, no. Well, you're like, not really... supposed to look at yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no mirror, so you can't really yeah. see if you got anything to tweeze anyways, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so right. So there's that. The, the timeline for mourning is, is this. If you, so from the time of the burial, for seven days after that, it's called the Shiva period. And Shiva is the Hebrew word for seven. So it's a seven-day period. And it's, it's the like most intense level of mourning. And there is actually a period in between the death and the funeral that is... This is very sort of weird twilighty zone kind of time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Anenut, and it's where you're not really a mourner yet. And so all the rules of mourning don't apply to you. Uh, but obviously you have some sort of like you're not a regular person, right? Like because you have just experienced death. So, um, so you're allowed to go to a concert. and So you can't go to like a concert. Mm-hmm. But you're allowed to do things where you need to prepare for the funeral. So like anything regarding preparations for the funeral you could do. Um, You could even like cut your nails in advance knowing that you're not going to be able to cut your nails, let's say. Mm -hmm. But obviously you don't want to do anything that would be like going to a concert where it would be like, yeah, I'm having joy when I'm supposed to have Mm -hmm. sorrow, right? So, so in that time period, you can do things so that you um, can prepare for the funeral and you can prepare for sitting Shiva because during the time that you sit Shiva, you're not supposed to do things for yourself. Someone else is supposed to do them. And what I love about that is that it gives everybody around you a way to help you feel comfort, but also comfort themselves. So... My kids were not considered mourners for my mother when she passed away. I'm considered a mourner, but they're helping me is there is is supposed to be the community aspect of um their way of mourning. Like mm-hmm. they're not the direct mourner, but they can assist the mourner and that also brings them comfort. Mm-hmm. And I think but when that you that, say they're not the mourner, like they definitely, I mean, I have no idea what kind of relationship your kids had with your mom, but I assume they had feelings when she died. And, of course, a hundred percent. Right. So grieving. Yes. So they're definitely, 
grieving, but we have this official sort of hierarchy of who's officially a mourner. So you can be a mourner for a parent, so a mom, a dad, Mm -hmm. uh, your spouse, either husband or wife, whatever, it doesn't matter, a brother, a sister, a son, or a daughter. So there are seven people who you are officially a mourner for. Everybody else, while they are sad and grieving, they are not obligated to sit Shiva. Okay. But they are supposed to be helping you. So you have these initial seven days where the direct mourners are sitting Shiva and everybody else is sort of assisting them. And then you have something called the Shloshim, which is literally 30 days. <laughs> it means 30 in Hebrew. And those days are for mourners who are a brother, a sister, a spouse, or a child, right? Yeah. Or a parent. So, no, not, not parent. for a parent. So, no, I mean, if your child died. If you're, yes, if, if your child dies, then, yeah. then you are, then you only, can, are considered a mourner up to those 30 days. Okay. And during that time, you still don't cut your nails and you don't, men don't shave, women don't do haircuts. Um, you're not supposed to wear new clothes. Bathing is kept to a minimum. It's certainly not done for pleasure. And then there, after that time, their official mourning period is over. But for a parent, the mourning period is for a year. And that's the only exception. And during that time, you're supposed to limit what you do in public. And in a normal time, that would mean you don't go to the movies, you don't go to Broadway shows, you don't uh, go to a wedding, let's say. But I don't have any of those. To go to. Because we're there's, in the middle of a pandemic, right? Exactly. So there's nothing to do. So for me, um, the way that I chose to observe this time is that I decided to not watch TV or listen to music because I felt that though I don't do like an all-out social media ban, um, especially because I am online for work, but I felt that, okay, so I know that there's this new show on Netflix that everybody's talking about, right? But I've not seen it. Mm -hmm. And that makes me feel like I'm not in the public arena, which is where I'm not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And, And that sets me apart. And so that's my way of setting myself apart during this time, because there isn't really any other way for me to do that. Right. And so that felt comfortable for me. And there's certainly nothing wrong with it. And I got to tell you, I have so much more time. (laughs) I bet. (laughs) I bet. It's amazing how much time I was watching Netflix. I can't believe Mm -hmm. it. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying I never waste my time on Facebook or TikTok, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm wasting a lot less time. And that feels really, really good. And I think that that actually helps me move through this time also because I feel like it's extra super easy to get depressed when you're a mourner, but more than that, when you're not having any social contact at all. Yeah. And that's basically what we're doing here. We're totally isolating. And I feel like it would be very easy to fall down that rabbit hole. 
And this makes me feel like I'm not falling down that rabbit hole. Mm, good for you. And, and that's what I think is really great about it because it was like, when I discussed it with the rabbi, he's like, great. If that's what you feel you need to do, it's okay to be more strict on yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be. I wouldn't say to do that for everybody. Okay. But if that's the way you want to go, then go that way. And that's okay. Mm. And that was like a good feeling also. Yeah. So, so that's the flexibility that you're talking about. Yeah. And like, if I would have said to him, oh, well, I'll give you another example. So you're not supposed to go be in, involved in a public anything really, <laughs> like mm-hmm. any sort of joyous occasion, right? So my daughter had a bat mitzvah, which is the coming of age party for a 12-year-old girl. And we couldn't really do anything. Like we couldn't because of Corona. So we couldn't, we couldn't have any people over and we weren't going to have a band anyways. And we were like, so that was not a thing. But if we would have, we talked about like what would have happened if we would have had a small party, let's say. And the rabbi said Mm -hmm. to me, he's like, it's totally acceptable because it's your own child. And while maybe you would have chosen to limit some of the festivities a little bit, it would have taken away from her and, you know, you wouldn't want to do that. So there's that, that's, those are the kind of things that I'm talking about being flexible about. And like in that individual situation, we were going to discuss like what to do. And the end, it ended up being nothing anyways. And we just did a Zoom bat mitzvah, which is (laughs) totally different and was totally acceptable, but... Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Inner Harbor, providing grief support to students and those that support them. Find us at www.inner-harbor.org. I'm just wondering about, you know, previous losses that you've gone through and and how they might have impacted the way that you sort of came into this. My grandmother died when I was a freshman in college. And it was literally like less than a month into the first my first semester in college. And my mom called me one morning really early and I'm like, oh no, this can't be good. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it was it was a shock. It was a surprise because I mean she was old, but she was relatively healthy and it, it was very, very sudden. Nobody was expecting it. And so I went to college in New York and my grandmother was buried in Buffalo and my mom and my dad made arrangements for me to to fly from wherever to Buffalo and I just took a cab to the airport and got on a plane and went to the funeral and then my mom's like go back to school. And I'm like what? No, I want to I want to come home and I want to be with you while you're sitting shiva so I can help you because I had this basic understanding of the rules of sitting shiva which was that children are supposed to be there for their parents at this time. Yeah. And and it wasn't just my parents, it was my aunts and uncles as well. And I just my mom's like, "No, just go back to school. We don't need you. We have enough people." And that was really hard for me. I had a lot of trouble processing it because it didn't give me the space to also mourn for my grandmother. And we had this sort of weird relationship anyways, but like 
for me, I really wanted to have that closure. And I felt like even though I had this sort of weird relationship with my grandmother, I didn't have that with my mother. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that time with my mother and my aunt and my uncles to, to be with them. And I, and I wasn't. And my mom, I I don't want to, I think she just thought she was doing what was best for me by sending me back to school because she didn't want me to miss any more school. But actually in hindsight, it wasn't, it wasn't the best thing for me. It didn't give me a chance to move forward even if I would have just gone with him and stayed through the weekend, that would have been better. You don't get more brownie points for like not showing up, right? Like mm-hmm. just because my mother said not to do that, I should have just been, I should have gone to my dad and I should have said, dad, buy me a ticket. I'm coming home. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I should have just done that. And he would have said, yes, I'm sure. But I just listened to whatever my mother said and I'm not sure that either one of us ended up being happier for doing that. Mm. You know, I was thinking about like, I hear you that in, you know, Jewish tradition, your mom is the mourner. And as, you know, the relationship to your grandmother, you're not considered a mourner, but you're still grieving. And that whole ritual, Shiva may have been created for the mourner, but it's actually a very helpful ritual for so many other people not just the mourners it's helpful for everyone it's Mm -hmm. so helpful like I found that when I was sitting shiva um so what we did was even though it was you know during corona still everyone wore a mask we all sat like you know six feet apart from each other we had a sign on the door that said um please come in and wash your hands or use the hand sanitizer so like we were trying to be as careful as we could sure and I found that even though almost none of my friends here, here, I live in Israel, um, almost none of my friends knew my mother, like none of the people who came to visit me knew my mother, except for, I think, two people who came to actually visit me in person. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter because all of them felt sad for me and wanted to be there for me. Mm -hmm. And that was really the beauty of it. And I feel like even for the people who didn't know my mother, it was a comfort for them as well. And it's also, I don't know how to say this word in English. (laughs) (laughs) It's also a mitzvah for them. It's a good deed. It's a good deed for them to, to come. Like, you don't necessarily need the other people to come and visit you, but they need you to do this to do this deed like they can't do it without you like in a way you're doing them a favor because this is a really big a big mitzvah to do because you can't pay it back like the person can never pay it back like they can never go and comfort you right now I could go and comfort someone but the person who died can't so like you're doing this huge thing for for this person and maybe you didn't know them Mm -hmm. and that's amazing it's a huge kindness. Absolutely. And and uh, you get brownie points for that too. <laughs> <laughs> in Judaism as well as in many religions, the rituals that surround death, um, you know, they may have specific meanings, but one of the things that probably was, you know, part of it, um, but even if not, it's just something that happens, is the sense of community that's created. Um, and death can feel so incredibly 
isolating and lonely. And when you do things like sure. sit chiba or, you know, have a ritual, awake, whatever it is, um, it brings people together. And a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think what it comes down to is people really love to do nice things for other people. For sure. And this gives them a real opportunity to do that because part of the ritual, of course, we like to do things with food. So part of the ritual is making sure that the mourner is fed or mm-hmm. mourners. So we're all grieving right now as we uh, deal with the pandemic. Um, <laughs> how are you coping right now? What are you doing? Uh, it sounds like you're quite limited uh, because you're um, in mourning and also because you're in the middle of a pandemic. But right. are there things that you're doing to take good care of yourself or are you not taking that good care of yourself? I actually, you know what? So I'll say this. Uh, after I after I got up from sitting Shiva, I was feeling kind of yucky. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a week where you don't move and you just, you know, you're sitting around a little bit. I said to my husband, I'm like, I'm doing a detox. We're going to have no sugar, no carbs, well, no wheat and uh, no dairy. Because I, I was just feeling so miserable. And we started doing that. And I've been pretty good at like keeping keeping to that uh, since June. And wow. in terms of the food, I feel like we're doing good at that. And actually, there are days when the pandemic is super hard and being in lockdown is super hard. But for the most part, I feel like we are sharing much more time. Not all of it's great time, but it's time as a family mm-hmm. and like we we cook more healthy food and we're eating dinner together more regularly i think we're all a little bit less stressed out because we're not commuting um yeah. if our kids need us we're both here most of the time mm-hmm. uh and if it's like really urgent like our kids are a little bigger they're i have twins who are 12 and an older one who's 13 but if they really need us, you know, they can interrupt us, but they, they're good about waiting till we're off our calls or whatever so right. that we can, you know, give them attention. But actually, the other night, I like played old maid with my daughter and we watched TikTok together for a few minutes. <laughs> and my husband and I, and sometimes the kids join us, we do puzzles and, um, We've been playing games, like sitting out on our balcony at night, playing, we played Connect Four, we played Othello. Like, I never would have done that six months ago. (laughs) So I know for a lot of people, it's really hard and it's never quiet in my house. And and it is really hard for me a lot of days. I'm not going to say it's not hard, but I'm trying to look at the bright side and just be happy at the differences that we have add for the better. Yep. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Oh, my pleasure. (laughs) Um, What's your book called and how can people get it? Okay. My book is called Mm -hmm. Organized Jewish Life and you can head to my website, balaganbegone.com forward slash book. And you can spell balagan. Oh, sure. Balagan (laughs) is the Hebrew word for chaos. It's B-A-L-A-G-A-N-B-E-G-O-N-E. And hopefully soon the actual Organized Jewish Life website will be up. But for now, it's just, (laughs) it's on my regular website. So, okay. 
if you're hearing this later and you can't spell Balagan, you can head to Organized Jewish Life and it will point to it at some point. (laughs) Do you have an email or um, anything that you want to provide as well? It's Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H at Rebecca Saltzman, S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N.com. Perfect. And I would love it if people reached out to me if you want to talk about organizing or if you just want to have some comfort, I'm happy to chat. Thank you so much to Rebecca for this really interesting conversation. And as always, thank you to Stephen Bluestein for audio production. We're going to continue on the cultural topics related to death and dying next week when I speak to my guest, Becca O'Brien. She is a recent graduate of San Diego State University, and she's currently pursuing her PhD in clinical psychology with a trauma emphasis. And I'm sure that her interest stems from her own experiences with multiple deaths, including her sister and her father, both as a teen and a young adult. She's worked with grieving teens and college-days people as well. She's from a traditional American Indian family, and navigating grief in that culture can be complicated. So we talk a lot about that culture, and she was really generous to enlighten us on her cultural views and the things that she's grown up with. So excited for that conversation next week. I hope you will join us. That's all for today. Good morning to all of you.